The Gentle Boy, Part Two, from Twice Told Tales by Nathaniel Hawthorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bob Newfeld. When Pearson and his wife had thus acquired all the rights over Ibrahim that could be delegated, their affection for him became, like the memory of their native land or their mild sorrow for the dead, a piece of immovable furniture of their hearts. The boy also, after a week or two of mental disquiet, began to gratify his protectors by many inadvertent proofs that he considered them as parents, and their house as home. Before the winter snows were melted, the persecuted infant, the little wanderer from a remote and heathen country, seemed native in the New England cottage, and inseparable from the warmth and security of its hearth ibrahim's demeanour lost a premature manliness which had resulted from his earlier situation he became more childlike and his natural character displayed itself with freedom it was in many respects a beautiful one yet the disordered imaginations of both his father and mother had perhaps propagated a certain unhealthiness in the mind of the boy in his general estate, Ibrahim would derive enjoyment from the most trifling events, and from every object about him. He seemed to discover rich treasures of happiness by a faculty analogous to that of the witch-hazel, which points to hidden gold where all is barren to the eye. His airy gaiety, coming to him from a thousand sources, communicated itself to the family, and Ibrahim was like a domesticated sunbeam brightening moody countenances and chasing away the gloom from the dark corners of the cottage on the other hand as the susceptibility of pleasure is also that of pain the exuberant cheerfulness of the boy's prevailing temper sometimes yielded to moments of deep depression his sorrows could not always be followed up to their original source but most frequently they appeared to flow though Ibrahim was young to be sad for such a cause, from wounded love. The flightiness of his mirth rendered him often guilty of offences against the decorum of a Puritan household, and on these occasions he did not invariably escape rebuke. But the slightest word of real bitterness, which he was infallible in distinguishing from pretended anger, seemed to sink into his heart and poison all his enjoyments till he became sensible that he was entirely forgiven of the malice which generally accompanies a superfluity of sensitiveness ibrahim was altogether destitute when trodden upon he would not turn when wounded he could but die his mind was wanting in the stamina of self-support it was a plant that would twine beautifully around something stronger than itself but if repulsed or torn away it had no choice but to wither on the ground dorothy's acuteness taught her that severity would crush the spirit of the child and she nurtured him with the gentle care of one who handles a butterfly her husband manifested an equal affection although it grew daily less productive of familiar caresses the feelings of the neighboring people in regard to the quaker infant and his protectors had not undergone a favorable change in spite of the momentary triumph which the desolate mother had obtained over their sympathies the scorn and bitterness of which she was the object were very grievous to ibrahim 
especially when any circumstance made him sensible that the children his equals in age partook of the enmity of their parents his tender and social nature had already overflowed in attachments to everything about him and still there was a residue of unappropriated love which he yearned to bestow upon the little ones who were taught to hate him as the warm days of spring came on ibrahim was accustomed to remain for hours silent and inactive within hearing of the children's voices at their play yet with his usual delicacy of feeling he avoided their notice and would flee and hide himself from the smallest individual among them chance however at length seemed to open a medium of communication between his heart and theirs it was by means of a boy about two years older than ibrahim who was injured by a fall from a tree in the vicinity of pearson's habitation as the sufferer's own home was at some distance dorothy willingly received him under her roof and became his tender and careful nurse ibrahim was the unconscious possessor of much skill in physiognomy and it would have deterred him in other circumstances from attempting to make a friend of this boy the countenance of the latter immediately impressed a beholder disagreeably but it required some examination to discover that the cause was a very slight distortion of the mouth and the irregular broken line and near approach of the eyebrows analogous perhaps to these trifling deformities was an almost imperceptible twist of every joint and the uneven prominence of the breast forming a body regular in its general outline but faulty in almost all its details the disposition of the boy was sullen and reserved, and the village schoolmaster stigmatized him as obtuse in intellect, although at a later period of life he evinced ambition and very peculiar talents. But whatever might be his personal or moral irregularities, Ibrahim's heart seized upon him and clung to him from the moment that he was brought wounded into the cottage. The child of persecution seemed to compare his own fate with that of the sufferer and to feel that even different modes of misfortune had created a sort of relationship between them food rest and the fresh air for which he languished were neglected he nestled continually by the bedside of the little stranger and with a fond jealousy endeavoured to be the medium of all the cares that were bestowed upon him as the boy became convalescent ibrahim contrived games suitable to his situation or amused him by a faculty which he had perhaps breathed in with the air of his barbaric birthplace it was that of reciting imaginary adventures on the spur of the moment and apparently in inexhaustible succession his tales were of course monstrous disjointed and without aim but they were curious on account of a vein of human tenderness which ran through them all and was like a sweet familiar face encountered in the midst of wild and unearthly scenery the auditor paid much attention to these romances and sometimes interrupted them by brief remarks upon the incidents displaying shrewdness above his years mingled with a moral obliquity which grated very harshly against ibrahim's instinctive rectitude nothing however could arrest the progress of the latter's affection and there were many proofs that it met with a response from the dark and stubborn nature on which it was lavished the boy's parents at length removed him to complete his cure under their own roof 
Ibrahim did not visit his new friend after his departure, but he made anxious and continual inquiries respecting him, and informed himself of the day when he was to reappear among his playmates. On a pleasant summer afternoon the children of the neighborhood had assembled in the little forest-crowned amphitheatre behind the meeting-house, and the recovering invalid was there, leaning on a staff. The glee of a score of untainted bosoms was heard in light and airy voices, which danced among the trees like sunshine become audible. The grown men of this weary world, as they journeyed by the spot, marvelled why life, beginning in such brightness, should proceed in gloom, and their hearts or their imaginations answered them, and said that the bliss of childhood gushes from its innocence but it happened that an unexpected addition was made to the heavenly little band it was ibrahim who came toward the children with a look of sweet confidence on his fair and spiritual face as if having manifested his love to one of them he had no longer to fear a repulse from their society a hush came over their mirth the moment they beheld him and they stood whispering to each other while he drew nigh but all at once the devil of their fathers entered into the unbreached fanatics and sending up a fierce shrill cry they rushed upon the poor quaker child in an instant he was the centre of a brood of baby fiends who lifted sticks against him pelted him with stones and displayed an instinct for destruction far more loathsome than the bloodthirstiness of manhood the invalid in the meanwhile stood apart from the tumult crying out with a loud voice fear not ibrahim come hither and take my hand and his unhappy friend endeavoured to obey him after watching the victim's struggling approach with a calm smile and unabashed eye the foul-hearted little villain lifted his staff and struck ibrahim on the mouth so forcibly that the blood issued in a stream the poor child's arms had been raised to guard his head from the storm of blows but now he dropped them at once his persecutors beat him down trampled upon him dragged him by his long fair locks and ibrahim was on the point of becoming as veritable a martyr as ever entered bleeding into heaven the uproar however attracted the notice of a few neighbors who put themselves to the trouble of rescuing the little heretic and of conveying him to pearson's door ibrahim's bodily harm was severe but long and careful nursing accomplished his recovery the injury done to his sensitive spirit was more serious though not so visible its signs were principally of a negative character and to be discovered only by those who had previously known him his gait was thenceforth slow even and unvaried by the sudden bursts of sprightlier motion which had once corresponded to his overflowing gladness his countenance was heavier and its former play of expression the dance of sunshine reflected from moving water was destroyed by the cloud over his existence his notice was attracted in a far less degree by passing events and he appeared to find greater difficulty in comprehending what was due to him than at a happier period a stranger founding his judgment upon these circumstances would have said that the dullness of the child's intellect wildly contradicted the promise of his features but the secret was in the direction of ibrahim's thoughts which were brooding within him when they should naturally have been wandering abroad 
an attempt of dorothy to revive his former sportiveness was the single occasion on which his quiet demeanour yielded to a violent display of grief he burst into passionate weeping and ran and hid himself for his heart had become so miserably sore that even the hand of kindness tortured it like fire sometimes at night and probably in his dreams he was heard to cry mother mother as if her place which a stranger had supplied while ibrahim was happy admitted of no substitute in his extreme affliction perhaps among the many life-weary wretches then upon the earth there was not one who combined innocence and misery like this poor broken-hearted infant so soon the victim of his own heavenly nature while this melancholy change had taken place in ibrahim one of an earlier origin and of different character had come to its perfection in his adopted father the incident with which this tale commences found pearson in a state of religious dullness yet mentally disquieted and longing for a more fervid faith than he possessed the first effect of his kindness to ibrahim was to produce a softened feeling an incipient love for the child's whole sect but joined to this and resulting perhaps from self-suspicion was a proud and ostentatious contempt of their tenets and practical extravagances in the course of much thought however for the subject struggled irresistibly into his mind the foolishness of the doctrine began to be less evident and the points which had particularly offended his reason assumed another aspect or vanished entirely away the work within him appeared to go on even while he slept and that which had been a doubt when he laid down to rest would often hold the place of a truth confirmed by some forgotten demonstration when he recalled his thoughts in the morning but while he was thus becoming assimilated to the enthusiasts his contempt in no wise decreasing toward them grew very fierce against himself he imagined also that every face of his acquaintance wore a sneer and that every word addressed to him was a gibe such was his state of mind at the period of ibrahim's misfortune and the emotions consequent upon that event completed the change of which the child had been the original instrument in the meantime neither the fierceness of the persecutors nor the infatuation of their victims had decreased the dungeons were never empty the streets of almost every village echoed daily with the lash the life of a woman whose mild and christian spirit no cruelty could embitter had been sacrificed and more innocent blood was yet to pollute the hands that were so often raised in prayer early after the restoration the english quakers presented to charles the second that a vein of blood was opened in his dominions but though the displeasure of the voluptuous king was roused his interference was not prompt and now the tale must stride forward over many months leaving pearson to encounter ignominy and misfortune his wife to a firm endurance of a thousand sorrows poor ibrahim to pine and droop like a cankered rosebud his mother to wander on a mistaken errand neglectful of the holiest trust which can be committed to a woman a winter evening a night of storm had darkened over pearson's habitation 
and there were no cheerful faces to drive the gloom from his broad hearth the fire it is true sent forth a glowing heat and a ruddy light and large logs dripping with half-melted snow lay ready to cast upon the embers but the apartment was saddened in its aspects by the absence of much of the homely wealth which had once adorned it for the exaction of repeated fines and his own neglect of temporal affairs had greatly impoverished the owner and with the furniture of peace the implements of war had likewise disappeared the sword was broken the helm and cuirass were cast away for ever the soldier had done with battles and might not lift so much as his naked hand to guard his head but the holy book remained and the table on which it rested was drawn before the fire while two of the persecuted sect sought comfort from its pages he who listened while the other read was the master of the house now emaciated in form and altered as to the expression and healthiness of his countenance for his mind had dwelt too long among visionary thoughts and his body had been worn by imprisonment and stripes the hale and weather-beaten old man who sat beside him had sustained less injury from a far longer course of the same mode of life in person he was tall and dignified and which alone would have made him hateful to the puritans his grey locks fell from beneath the broad-brimmed hat and rested on his shoulders as the old man read the sacred page the snow drifted against the windows or eddied in at the crevices of the door while a blast kept laughing in the chimney and the blaze leaped fiercely up to seek it and sometimes when the wind struck the hill at a certain angle and swept down by the cottage across the wintry plain its voice was the most doleful that can be conceived it came as if the past were speaking as if the dead had contributed each a whisper as if the desolation of ages were breathed in that one lamenting sound the quaker at length closed the book retaining however his hand between the pages which he had been reading while he looked steadfastly at pearson the attitude and features of the latter might have indicated the endurance of bodily pain he leaned his forehead on his hands his teeth were firmly closed and his frame was tremulous at intervals with a nervous agitation friend tobias inquired the old man compassionately hast thou found no comfort in these many blessed passages of scripture thy voice has fallen on my ear like a sound afar off and indistinct replied pearson without lifting his eyes yea and when i have hearkened carefully the words seemed cold and lifeless and intended for another and a lesser grief than mine remove the book in a tone of sullen bitterness i have no part in its consolations and they do but fret my sorrow the more nay feeble brother be not as one who hath never known the light said the older quaker earnestly but with mildness art thou he that wouldst be content to give all and endure all for conscience sake desiring even peculiar trials that thy faith might be purified and thy heart weaned from worldly desires and wilt thou sink beneath an affliction which happens alike to them that have their portion here below and to them that lay up treasure in heaven faint not for thy burden is yet light 
"'It is heavy! It is heavier than I can bear!' exclaimed Pearson, with the impatience of a variable spirit. "'From my youth upward I have been a man marked out for wrath, and year by year, yea, day after day, I have endured sorrow such as others know not in their lifetime. And now I speak not of the love that has been turned to hatred, the honour to ignominy, the ease and plentifulness of all things to danger, want, and nakedness. All this I could have borne and counted myself blessed. But when my heart was desolate with many losses, I fixed it upon the child of a stranger, and he became dearer to me than all my buried ones. And now he too must die, as if my love were poison." verily i am an accursed man and i lay down in the dust and lift up my head no more thou sinnest brother but it is not for me to rebuke thee for i also have had my hours of darkness wherein i have murmured against the cross said the old quaker he continued perhaps in the hope of distracting his companion's thoughts from his own sorrows even of late was the light obscured within me, when the men of blood had banished me on pain of death, and the constables laid me onward from village to village toward the wilderness. A strong and cruel hand was wielding the knotted cords. They sunk deep into the flesh, and thou mayest track every reel and totter of my footsteps by the blood that followed. As we went on, have i not borne all this and have i murmured interrupted pearson impatiently nay friend but hear me continued the other as we journeyed on night darkened on the path so that no man could see the rage of the persecutors or the constancy of my endurance though heaven forbid that i should glory therein the lights began to glimmer in the cottage windows, and I could discern the inmates as they gathered in comfort and security, every man with his wife and children by their own evening hearth. At length we came to a tract of fertile land. In the dim light the forest was not visible around it, and behold, there was a straw-thatched dwelling which bore the very aspect of my home far over the wild ocean far in our own england then came bitter thoughts upon me yea remembrances that were like death to my soul the happiness of my early days was painted to me the disquiet of my manhood the altered faith of my declining years i remembered how i had been moved to go forth a wanderer when my daughter the youngest the dearest of my flock lay on her dying bed and couldst thou obey the command at such a moment exclaimed pearson shuddering yea yea replied the old man hurriedly i was kneeling by her bedside when the voice spoke loud within me but immediately i rose and took my staff and got me gone oh that it were permitted me to forget her woeful look when i thus withdrew my arm and left her journeying through the dark valley alone for her soul was faint and she had leaned upon my prayers now 
in that night of horror i was assailed by the thought that i had been an erring christian and a cruel parent yea even my daughter with her pale dying features seemed to stand by me and whisper father you are deceived go home and shelter your grey beard o thou to whom i have looked in my furthest wanderings continued the quaker raising his agitated eyes to heaven inflict not upon the bloodiest of our persecutors the unmitigated agony of my soul when i believe that all i had done and suffered for thee was at the instigation of a mocking fiend but i yielded not i knelt down and wrestled with the tempter while the scourge bit more fiercely into the flesh my prayer was heard and i went on in peace and joy toward the wilderness the old man though his fanaticism had generally all the calmness of reason was deeply moved while reciting this tale and his unwonted emotion seemed to rebuke and keep down that of his companion they sat in silence with their faces to the fire imagining perhaps in its red embers new scenes of persecution yet to be encountered the snow still drifted hard against the windows and sometimes as the blaze of the logs had gradually sunk came down the spacious chimney and hissed upon the hearth a cautious footstep might now and then be heard in a neighbouring apartment and the sound invariably drew the eyes of both quakers to the door which led thither when a fierce and riotous gust of wind had led his thoughts by a natural association to homeless travellers on such a night pearson resumed the conversation i have well nigh sunk under my own share of this trial observed he sighing heavily yet i would that it might be double to me if so the child's mother could be spared her wounds have been deep and many but this will be the sorest of all fear not for catherine replied the old quaker for i know that valiant woman and have seen how she can bear the cross a mother's heart indeed is strong in her and may seem to contend mightily with her faith but soon she will stand up and give thanks that her son has been thus early an accepted sacrifice the boy hath done his work and she will feel that he is taken hence in kindness both to him and her blessed blessed are they that with so little suffering can enter into peace the fitful rush of the wind was now disturbed by a portentous sound it was a quick and heavy knocking at the outer door pearson's wan countenance grew paler for many a visit of persecution had taught him what to dread the old man on the other hand stood up erect and his glance was firm as that of the tried soldier who awaits his enemy the men of blood have come to seek me he observed with calmness and now i am to be led to prison and thence to death it is an end i have long looked for i will open unto them lest they say lo he feareth nay i will present myself before them said pearson with recovered fortitude it may be that they seek me alone and know not that thou abidest with me let us go bothly both one and the other 
rejoined his companion. It is not fitting that thou or I should shrink. They therefore proceeded through the entry to the door, which they opened, bidding the applicant come in, in God's name. A furious blast of wind drove the storm into their faces and extinguished the lamp. They had barely time to discern a figure so white from head to foot with the drifted snow that it seemed like winter's self come in human shape to seek refuge from its own desolation. "'Enter, friend, and do thy errand, be it what it may,' said Pearson. "'It must needs be pressing, since thou comest on such a bitter night.' "'Peace be with this household,' said the stranger, when they stood on the floor of the inner apartment. Pearson started. The elder Quaker stirred the slumbering embers of the fire till they sent up a clear and lofty blaze. It was a female voice that had spoken. It was a female form that shone out, cold and wintry, in that comfortable light. "'Catherine, blessed woman!' exclaimed the old man. "'Art thou come to this darkened land again?' Art thou come to bear a valiant testimony as in previous years? The scourge hath not prevailed against thee, and from the dungeon hast thou come forth triumphant. But strengthen, strengthen now thy heart, Catherine, for heaven will prove thee yet this once, ere thou go to thy reward. Rejoice, friends, she replied, Thou who hast long been of our people, and thou whom a little child hath led to us, rejoice. Lo, I come, the messenger of glad tidings, for the day of persecution is over, past. The heart of the king, even Charles, hath been moved in gentleness toward us, and he hath sent forth his letters to stay the hands of the men of blood a ship's company of our friends hath arrived at yonder town and i also sailed joyfully among them as catherine spoke her eyes were roaming about the room in search of him for whose sake security was dear to her pearson made a silent appeal to the old man nor did the latter shrink from the painful task assigned him sister he began in a softened yet perfectly calm tone thou tellest us of his love manifested in temporal good now must we speak to thee of that self-same love displayed in chastenings hitherto catherine thou hast been as one journeying in a darksome and difficult path and leading an infant by the hand fain wouldst thou have looked heavenward continually but still the cares of that little child have drawn thine eyes and thy affections to the earth sister go on rejoicing for his tottering footsteps shall impede thine own no more but the unhappy mother was not thus to be consoled she shook like a leaf she turned white as the very snow that hung drifted into her hair the firm old man extended his hand and held her up, keeping his eye upon hers as if to repress any outbreak of passion. "'I am a woman. I am but a woman. Will he try me above my strength?' said Catherine, very quickly and almost in a whisper. "'I have been wounded sore. I have suffered much, many things in my body, many in the mind. 
crucified in myself and in them that were dearest to me surely added she with a long shudder he hath spared me in this one thing she broke forth with sudden and irrepressible violence tell me man of cold heart what has god done to me hath he cast me down never to rise again hath he crushed my very heart in his hand and thou to whom i have committed my child how hast thou fulfilled thy trust give me back the boy well sound alive alive or earth and heaven shall avenge me the agonized shriek of catherine was answered by the faint the very faint voice of a child on this day it had become evident to pearson to his aged guest and to dorothy that ibrahim's brief and troubled pilgrimage drew near its close the two former would willingly have remained by him to make use of the prayers and pious discourses which they deemed appropriate to the time and which if they be impotent as to the departing traveller's reception in the world whither he goes may at least sustain him in bidding adieu to earth but though ibrahim uttered no complaint he was disturbed by the faces that looked upon him so that dorothy's entreaties and their own conviction that the child's feet might tread heaven's pavement and not soil it had induced the two quakers to remove ibrahim then closed his eyes and grew calm and except for now and then a kind and low word to his nurse might have been thought to slumber as nightfall came on however and the storm began to rise something seemed to trouble the repose of the boy's mind and to render his sense of hearing active and acute if a passing wind lingered to shake the casement he strove to turn his head toward it if the door jarred to and fro upon his hinges he looked long and anxiously thitherward if the heavy voice of the old man as he read scriptures rose but a little higher the child almost held his dying breath to listen if a snowdrift swept by the cottage with a sound like the trailing of a garment ibrahim seemed to watch that some visitant should enter but after a little time he relinquished whatever secret hope had agitated him and with one low complaining whisper turned his cheek upon the pillow he then addressed dorothy with his usual sweetness and besought her to draw near him she did so and ibrahim took her hand in both of his grasping it with a gentle pressure as if to assure himself that he retained it at intervals and without disturbing the repose of his countenance a very faint trembling passed over him from head to foot as if a mild but somewhat cool wind had breathed upon him and made him shiver as the boy thus led her by the hand in his quiet progress over the borders of eternity dorothy almost imagined that she could discern the near though dim delightfulness of the home he was about to reach she would not have enticed the little wanderer back though she bemoaned herself that she must leave him and return but just when ibrahim's feet were pressing on the soul of paradise he heard a voice behind him and it recalled him a few few paces of the weary path which he had travelled as dorothy looked upon his features she perceived that their placid expression was again disturbed her own thoughts had been so wrapped in him that all sounds of the storm and of human speech were lost to her 
but when Catherine's shriek pierced through the room, the boy strove to raise himself. "'Friend, she is come! Open unto her!' cried he. In a moment his mother was kneeling by the bedside. She drew Ibrahim to her bosom, and he nestled there with no violence of joy, but contentedly, as if he were hushing himself to sleep. He looked into her face, and, reading its agony, said with feeble earnestness, "'Mourn not, dearest mother. I am happy now.' And with these words the gentle boy was dead. The king's mandate to stay the New England persecutors was effectual in preventing further martyrdoms, but the colonial authorities, trusting in the remoteness of their situation, and perhaps in the supposed instability of the royal government, shortly renewed their severities in all other respects. Catherine's fanaticism had become wilder by the sundering of all human ties, and wherever a scourge was lifted, there was she to receive the blow and whenever a dungeon was unbarred, thither she came to cast herself upon the floor. But in process of time a more Christian spirit, a spirit of forbearance, though not of cordiality or approbation, began to pervade the land in regard to the persecuted sect. And then, when the rigid old pilgrims eyed her rather in pity than in wrath, when the matrons fed her with the fragments of their children's food and offered her a lodging on a hard and lowly bed, when no little crowd of schoolboys left their sports to cast stones after the roving enthusiast, then did Catherine return to Pearson's dwelling and made that her home. As if Ibrahim's sweetness yet lingered round his ashes, as if his gentle spirit came down from heaven to teach his parent a true religion, her fierce and vindictive nature was softened by the same griefs which had once irritated it, when the course of years had made the features of the unobtrusive mourner familiar in the settlement, she became a subject of not deep but general interest, a being on whom the otherwise superfluous sympathies of all might be bestowed. Every one spoke of her with that degree of pity which it is pleasant to experience. Every one was ready to do her the little kindnesses which are not costly yet manifest good will, and when at last she died, a long train of her once bitter persecutors followed her with decent sadness and tears that were not painful to her place by Ibrahim's green and sunken grave. End of the gentle boy.